Hello and welcome to a special edition of the In The Money Players podcast. This is a show that is being recorded on Wednesday, March 8th for the races of Thursday, March 9th. An unusual but much appreciated golden hour double on a Thursday with some of the weather in California necessitating some rearranging of the schedule. We will have a Thursday golden hour and we want it to shine a little bit of light on it. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you in the Brooklyn Bunker once again. And turning to a man we've had on these airwaves recently, I told you it wouldn't be so long before we had him back on again. He's a form analyst. He's also a race caller and a pleasure to welcome back to the In The Money Airwaves, Matt Dinnerman. Matt, what's the latest? What's the latest? Well, I'm looking out the window and uh, just sunshine here, uh, Pete, just blue skies and sun so uh not expecting that here in the bay area on friday but on thursday we're running live racing with the golden hour wagers and we're looking forward to a fun card up not only in the north but down south in southern california i'm excited for it for sure before we get into the specifics of these races i wanted to just back up and and talk a little bit about the golden hour bets themselves. We were talking off air about how popular they are. And and I wanted to ask you, you know, your own, your own loaded question, given who you work for, but your own opinion of the bet and why you think uh, our listeners like it so much. Well, I think really the key is the overlay payouts. I mean, you're looking at a wager where it's, it's a very smart thing to do. You lower the takeout, which means more money is going back to the horse players. You're raising the minimum, which means you do have to invest a little more in the bet. But you know that if you win with the higher minimum and lower takeout, you're going to get a very big payout based on the odds. And that's what we, of course, call an overlay. And, uh, you know, I've seen this thing chalk out, and I'm not saying we want it to chalk out, but let's just say for the sake of argument, it chalks out one day. I've seen the Golden Hour pick four pay $120 with four favorites or $80 with four favorites, which is a ridiculous overlay. So with that in mind, you can only imagine what it is if you get a couple prices in the sequence. I have a friend... Uh, Vito Lucarelli, he's actually Frank Lucarelli's brother, Vito, uh, a jockey agent in Emerald Downs. I met him through there. And Frank is a horse trainer right now in Arizona. And he was here at Golden Gate for a long time and Emerald Downs. But uh, Vito, he loves playing the Golden Hour wager for that reason. He'll call me and he'll say, I cannot believe that this bet made this much money. And I just tell him it's because of that low takeout, because of the higher minimum, you're putting a little more in there. But if you win, you're going to get more money back to you. And it's a fantastic bet. He loves it. And that's just a a small, very small sample of what I hear from the feedback from a lot of horse players who have just fallen in love with it. The high minimums are interesting. Of course, it's two bets. The Golden Hour pick four connecting the last two races at Golden Gate and Santa Anita, usually in the other order, Santa Anita and then Golden Gate. And then the last uh, four races at the same track. And, you know, originally when lower minimums came in, a lot of people um, applauded that as a positive development for the horse player. And I don't think it turned out law of unintended consequences. I think what you saw was two things happening. People sort of overspreading and diluting their own opinions. And you also saw, unfortunately, a lot more efficiency come into these pools from the the game's biggest bettors being able to, 
you know, essentially craft the perfect tickets and drain a lot of equity out of the pool. So with the higher minimum, it lessens the disadvantage with the game's biggest betters, the so-called uh, computer betters, but it also sort of forces you, for the reasons that Matt was saying, to have more of an opinion and uh, and, and get involved and, and you know bet in a more in a more efficient way that represents your exact opinion, and, and so that when you hit, you get paid, as Matt said. So hopefully, we're going to hit this bet here today. It starts off with Santa Anita's seventh race. We've got a mile and a quarter race on the turf here in the allowance ranks and a nice field of nine going postward. What numbers will be on your tickets, Matt Dinnerman, to kick off this golden hour pick four? Well, I think you have to use Agatino number seven, uh, five to one on the morning line. I don't think we're going to get that because I think when you look at the comment line, brutal trip, you're going to see and watch the replay. And we've got too many sharp handicappers that watch replays. And in my opinion, by the way, side note, watching replays, if you want to make money, you have to do it. Or you're not going to make money in the long term if you're playing consistently. But you watch this horse's replay, and it's exactly what the comment line reads. Just an absolutely disastrous trip going a mile and a quarter distance. This distance in race seven at Santa Anita. And he should have won that day, plain and simple. And Juan Hernandez actually rode the morning line favorite Alligato, number six, last time out. And we find him on Agatino, number seven. So read into that as you will. I wouldn't be surprised if this horse uh, goes off favorite come post time. So Agatino's on my tick, and I'm also using Alligato. I'm going to use a couple others in here as well. I'm probably going to use Aja Weed, who comes off a real good runner-up finish. I thought he ran really well going a mile and a quarter. And I'm also going to stick Foothill on the tick at a horse that I, I do believe, uh, looking at, <clears throat> excuse me, looking at him, uh, he comes off a real nice win against Calvert Allowance horses, but that was a good confidence booster for him. And I've always watched this horse, and I've always thought he'd love going a distance of ground, farther distances. So he's going a mile and a quarter today. So I'll spread a little bit there, but Agatino, the one for me, to kick off the golden hour late pick four. I think if he has the same energy level as last time out, he's going to be a real force there. I have three of your four. I didn't put Agatino on top with the fear, and we just saw this on uh, on Sunday in that mandatory payout of the uh, of of the Gulfstream Park pick six, where the horse with the obvious trouble just gets bet down so much. But this is a horse that has to be on tickets. I did put Alligato on top, just shaping in his races like more ground should be okay. And what I mean by that is when you look at the pace figures, they're either they're either uplining, to use the Paul Matisse terminology at the end, or at least they're not dropping off very far. And being by Kitten's Joy, it's certainly a reasonable hypothesis that this horse is going to do better going longer. Fast, consistent, just an obvious contender. Uh, we've talked about Agitino already. And then the other one I will throw in there is the other one you mentioned, Foothill. This horse is in good form with strong numbers, and I thought could be loose in this spot. So we'll uh, basically be rowing in together here to kick this thing off in uh, in the uh, Santa Anita race number seven, which brings us to our second race in the sequence. We head up to Golden Gate for your guys' seventh race. We go to some uh, bread and butter stuff here. We've got foreign up claimers at the $4,000 level. We're going a mile on the synthetic. I put number seven on Raglan Road on top. This horse is back into good form and has been known to string good races together looking through these PPs. I'm looking for this horse to run another good race, second time off the layoffs. On pace figures, should be on or near the lead in a race that doesn't have much speed. 
the thing that's concerning me about my opinion in this race in general is that I don't always love to see horses in their second time at that bottom level. Sometimes you'll see them run pretty well in that bottom level start the first time, and then they can tail off from there. But in this race, I'm just hoping that's not a factor because the other horse I'm going to mention has the same situation. That's number five. Ecologist was well handled by the top pick last time out, but making the switch to the red hot uh, Calvario barn and plenty of fast back, fast enough back races. I was hoping I could get out seven and five, but eager Matt to hear what you think. Yeah, this is obviously, this is, uh, my track. These are my guys right here. I know all these guys very well from over the years. Older horses, they've been around a while. The thing that's really tough to read about these races, and, and whether it be here at Golden Gate or other tracks, and maybe folks that only sort of watch the higher end tracks, uh, sometimes they don't really get a read on these you know, lower level $4,000 claiming types. What I've learned about these horses is they can be very inconsistent. A lot of them have back class. So the thing that's really hard to read is sort of what what kind of races are these horses going to run? You see horses like this, they're very random. They'll run a good race, they'll run a bad race with seemingly no excuses. Uh, they'll string a couple together in a row. They'll, their form will just all of a sudden start to fade without any sort of notice. So that's what makes it really difficult. And sometimes we do see things play out pretty formfully on paper. Uh, other times you get some very bizarre results and you sort of sit there and scratch your head and say, well, I, I could see that happening, but it certainly wasn't going to play out like that based on what the paper reads. I'm with you on On Raglan Road. I think this horse two starts ago, A, he broke really bad. Uh, first start off the break, he's an eight-year-old. And sometimes those older horses, I've, I say it on the telecast all the time. Uh, you know, it's like, a, it's like a, a person, you know, if you're younger and you take some time off from the gym and you go back to work in the gym, it's not going to take you very long to get fit. If you're an older person, uh, sometimes you're going to go back to the gym after that same break. And it's going to take you a little bit longer to feel like you're back in the top shape. And, and I feel that that was sort of the case with this older horse on Raglan Road who broke really bad first start off the break two starts ago. And then really the rider didn't really persevere on him. I think they just sort of turned it into a workout going a mile, came back and really improved second start off the break. And I think he can put it all together. So he's going to be my pick in here. Uh, ecologist, I think first start off the claim for Sammy Calvario, you have to use him. Uh, he has been just phenomenal off the claim. And you can see it by the statistic from a 17 horse sample, 59%. I know it's a small sample size, but I mean, that's just insane for lack of a better word uh and uh baby frankie number one he's an interesting horse i don't know if i'm going to use him on tickets yet depending on the budget i've got but he's got some back class the only thing that i'm i'm concerned that he's in for four thousand because he's a lot better on paper than a four thousand dollar claimer but trainer reed france the reason he wins at a high percentage one of the reasons is because he's very very aggressive with his spotting and he's told me before listen if i think i have a lower level claimer i'm not going to mess around I want to make money for the owner. Uh, it costs the same amount to, you know, take care of a lower level claimer as it does a stakes horse. Uh, the purses aren't as big as a lower level claimer. So we're going to put them in for the tag. We're going to get them in a spot where they can run well. And if they get claimed, they get claimed. And that's what he learned from his mentor, the late John Martin, who was a high percentage trainer and it just spotted very aggressively. So sure. those are my three I'm sort of looking at in here, but uh, anything wouldn't surprise me, to be honest. 
Great info. I was worried with that preamble, you were going to tell me that neither of my obvious ones could could possibly win. Um, <laughs> and you were going to give me uh, some some wild long shots. At least we ended up on the same horses. Hopefully the, the form will prevail and we'll hit this second leg. Of course, if we go out in this leg, we do have the opportunity to come back in the very next race at Santa Anita and get involved in this golden hour double with its uh, $5 minimum. Hopefully we'll have best of both worlds. We'll be alive in the pick four. And now we can press our strongest opinions here in the double it's another thing i like about this bet is the ability to leverage the two pools against one another this eighth race at santa is for three-year-old philly california breads maiden claimers at the fifty thousand dollar level going six and a half on the dirt matt we'll keep it with you i love second time starters i love the angle i think horses really improve second time out i think it can work both ways i think we've seen times where horses regress second time out uh but I see a lot of times where horses improve second time out, especially with trainers that we know are good second time out. Hector Palm is one of them. His numbers are just better with maiden second time starters. His horses don't really win first out that often. So the fact that this horse, number seven, Storm Doro, my top pick, the fact that this filly showed some speed, got a little bit tired late in the game and ran third, I thought was a decent enough effort to suggest coming back at the same level second time out. Uh, she can take a step forward and win. And you get Apprentice uh, Armando Aguilar, so you get a seven-pound weight break there. I am personally not a huge weight guy myself. I think if you're an 1,100, 1,200-pound animal, I, I do not believe three, five pounds makes a huge difference, even seven on a 1,200-pound animal. But that's my own personal opinion, and there are a lot of people that would argue with that. Uh, but nonetheless, it's something to note, especially if you're somebody that believes weights do matter. And Storm Doro, number seven, is going to be my pick in there. Um, Sweet Hello, number four, adding blinkers. A main contender is Burn Money, though. Last two races went off favorite, ran second both times. It's a good tactical speed type of running style with a good jockey, Rispoli, aboard. Uh, and he, or she, excuse me, she didn't have a great trip last time out either. She had some a rough going in the early part of the race, so... I think those two are your logical contenders in this race. I think the Turf Paradise shipper Dad's Estrella is a little bit interesting, sort of hard to read, but uh, this gal actually comes off a run against Stakes Company, Arizona Bread Stakes, or, uh, yeah, Open Stakes Company in Arizona against two-year-olds. It's still a maiden, and she's a lucky charm number six, a first-er with Flavian Pratt aboard as a 47-inch-change work for Leonard Powell, who's had a really good last year or two. So I think those are the four that I, I would look at. I think that sounds right. And I'm with you on those top two. Like we're reading each other's uh, email. I did have them in the other order. Sweet hello. That was a very tricky trip and made more so by the fact. And I think this is also true of Storm Doro. Very wide on a day where ground loss mattered. Moved early after that poor break. I think, I know this horse, the form looks a little tired at first glance. But I think that last race represents some real hidden improvement from Sweet Hello, and I like the addition of blinkers there. And then with Storm Doro, uh, once again, wide on a track that was playing more to the inside, and you already made the case about, you know, you typically, you know, even horses that arrive fully fit, you expect them to improve a little bit second out, but then there are barns that are just known for this, and, you know, pulling the numbers from Equibase for Storm Doro, 9% for Palma first time out, 14% winners second time out. That's significant. And I'm, I'm, I'll am i sit on the fence on the weight break thing. I, I find with speed horses in cheaper races, that's where I'm beginning to, to look at it. And I'd say, while it doesn't 
normally matter in American racing. The fact that there's whole, you know, and our racing is different with it being so much on dirt, but the fact that so much of the racing system is built around this concept elsewhere in the world makes me want to take it um, at least like a little bit seriously. Certainly not the reason I'm going to be including Storm Doro, but it certainly doesn't hurt. I'm going to try to lock it up um, with the four and the seven. I'll take another look at your uh, potential backup slash long shot ish runners here, the one and the six as well. And we'll go to our uh, finale, the last race at Golden Gate um, on this Thursday. The nightcap is a maiden for Phillies, four-year-old. Nope, we're going six furlongs on the synthetic. How are we going to knock down this golden hour pick four? Yeah, with a single Pacific Zip drawn outside. (laughs) The total single for me. Uh, This Philly comes off, I thought, a really good effort. Last time out off a layoff. And before the layoff, she tried routing on the grass. That was a sort of a failed experiment. And she'd run some decent races, two of them sprinting uh, before that layoff. So first time off the break last time, I really paid attention to her. She went off at 6-1. to one, And she ran a really good second behind Extinguisher, who, by the way, for those who don't know, Extinguisher is a very well-regarded, very nice filly from Golden Gate. Um, so Pacific Zip, 100%, with a lot of confidence. She is my single. She's 9-2 to on the morning line. I don't know if we're going to get 9-2. to I, I I don't really know, but I, I don't think so. That, that, so I lean towards more 3-1, to 7-2, to but I could be wrong in a field of 9 here. Uh, and she's one I really like on the card, not just for the Golden Hour wagers, but just across the board if you're playing Golden Gate and you want a second opinion, I think Pacific Zip number nine is going to run a very good race in race eight. So that's the only Philly I'm going to mention there, Pete, because I'm that confident in it. I love the confidence. I was going to use two, but Pacific Zip, certainly one of those two, I thought ran really creditably off the bench, caught some money for that comebacker, which I thought in of itself was interesting, and kind of made two moves in that race, right? Like showed some speed, got sort of positioned back, stayed on okay, and then got a little late as a layoff horse sometimes will. This horse is extremely eligible to improve second off the layoff, and I love your uh, confidence in that one. My goofier idea in this spot, and this is one that I'm sure as a caller, very fun for you to say, and you probably do know the reference to the name of number six, uh, Gunga Gunga Galunga. I'll give you the case first, and then we'll talk about the the difficulties of saying slash pop culture aspects of this one. Um, I just think this is her most modest field to date. And this is one of these runners who I believe last time they would have been better off just sending. It was one of those kind of one foot on the boat, one foot on the dock rides, just like really inefficient pace line here, looking at time form US from a 78 to the first call to, to it just, they just absolutely walked to that 55, which you know, you'd think, oh, they were reserving energy. Well, not really. If you're a speed horse and speed is your weapon, you don't want to go that slow in the middle of the race. You want to run efficiently and then back up to 67 and 68 at the end. I could be completely wrong about uh, Gunga Gunga Galunga, but I was going to use on a few tickets as well as one who might just be a little bit better than the paper. Look, I feel like I've seen you call this horse every time, and I think you've nailed the name every time. Am I remembering that right? Gunga, Gunga, Galunga. Yeah, a, a movie reference. Oh, Caddyshack. Uh, is it Caddyshack? There's two yes. golf movies, and I always mix them up. But I'm I knew pretty it was sure. A golf I'm pretty sure this is Caddyshack. And the funny thing is, there was 
There was, I think, a, yeah, Philly that debuted the other day at um, Gulfstream to, a week ago Saturday at Gulfstream that won by a hundred for Chad Brown called Carl Spackler, which is oh, the wow. name of the groundskeeper character that utters the line this is him i suppose it's completely politically incorrect because i believe it's him uh, uh, supposedly quoting the dalai lama or something completely insane it's caddyshack it was the 70s but i just think it's yeah. interesting how many horse race horse names lately are inspired by the film caddyshack and i know that there are a lot of movie references uh throughout racing i mean we had a horse here a couple weeks ago win named hans gruber so yeah there's a die hard yeah die hard <laughs> And I made sure to say Yippee Kaye in the call. <laughs> Brilliant. I missed that, but I would have been yeah. laughing out that, loud just like that. that was one half of the phrase. The other half of the phrase we can't use. But the first half yeah, of the that, might, that would be your last time in the Golden Gate announcer room. <laughs> <laughs> you let that one rip. Oh, man. So much fun. Not just uh, not just going over the form with you, but also just uh, BSing about this stuff. Really, really entertaining. Really appreciate you coming on here. And you know, we've got we've got some other uh, target dates, and we'll hopefully be back on and and doing more soon. But uh, thanks so much, and have a fun uh, Thursday out there. They have a lot of eyeballs on you. All right, Pete. Thanks for highlighting us. Yeah, it should be a fun week. Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday at Golden Gate and Santa Anita. Thursday through Sunday. They've got four racing days this week. So it should be fun, Pete, and let's win some money. That's the plan, my friend. Thanks again to Matt, our friends at uh, First Racing in general. All of you out there for listening. We'll be back with a ton more content for the weekend, and we've got a lot of great stuff from earlier in the week. Go to inthemoneypodcast.com to check it out, or if you want to keep track of everything going on, our free newsletter is a good place to start, inthemoneypodcast.com slash email. That's going to do it. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Ginchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your photos. <laughs>